Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Big Boss Book Club. Hello and welcome to the Big Boss Book Club. Thank you so much for joining me this week. You can catch us on Instagram at Big Boss Book Club, Twitter Big Boss 010, and I have now set up finally a well after much debate, uh, set up a Facebook page. Uh, you can follow us there at Big Boss Book Club. Um, this week's episode, a little bit of a, a, a mishmash, a proverbial a smorgasbord of, of different little uh, bits um but the whole topic will be related to the uk games expo um this episode will be released on the uh, 26th of um, july the games expo is actually at the end of the week and finishes, i believe starts on the uh, the 29th and finishes on the 1st of august couple of things I'm going to go into, um, my experience with the Games Expo, um, what I'm looking at doing this time around that's been different to what I've done in previous years when going to the Expo. Also I wanted to look at a game that I actually picked up after seeing it being, um, I didn't get to actually play the demo but I got to see it being demoed um, at the Games Expo. I managed to find a copy of the game. Um, and I'd like to talk about that. Um, so that's really what's coming up in in this week's show. Like I said a little bit of uh, a little bit of a mishmash of topics, but the overall topic will be the UK Games Expo. Um, so really, the intro is that the the the, the expo is back for this year. It didn't take place last year um, because of the pandemic and um, lockdowns and stuff like that. Um, I didn't actually attend 2019's expo. I had a little bit of a a sort of uh, epiphany that when I'd been going, we'd all um, I'd, I'd paid chipped in on petrol to get down, chipped in on the parking to park up, paid to get in, then essentially just spent a load of money on on stuff that I could have really just stayed at home and, and bought online and um, probably got through top cash back and got some cash back on it and not had to have spent the money to get down there, park and get in. So I kind of decided to give 2019 a miss. Um, but this year, with having a couple of years off, I've decided that I'm going to go. Down. <laughs> I'm going to actually attend this time. Um, so I'm quite looking forward to it. I have a little bit of a change of plan this time around. So what I would usually do, as I said, we'd all pile into a car, we'd all split the petrol, the parking, etc., and then essentially it'd just be a bit of a shopping expedition. Um, this year, I've decided that actually I want to be a little bit more involved. So I've actually been on their website and looked at events happening. Um, and I noted that there is actually a um, Blitz event for Flesh and Blood taking place on the Sunday, which is when I'm going to be going down. So I've actually decided that um, should there still be tickets available by the time I get paid, <laughs> which is actually the come uh, this following Wednesday, um, I'll be picking up a, a, a ticket to go into uh, to that event and, and enter that. Um, what we'll do is then we'll have a quick break, we'll come back and we'll talk about um, the plans for entering, what I'm looking at playing, and then we will move on to the Dice Summoners game uh, as well. No, the message is very clear. Underpants. Okay? You can buy a cheap pair from a market stall, or you can buy an expensive pair with gold thread in them, or you can do what everyone does, you go to Marks and Spencers. Hello and welcome back. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, the Games Expo for a while was pretty much a staple in my calendar for a good few years. Um, again, we'd all sort of pile into a, a car, we'd all drive down, split the cost of petrol, uh, split the cost of uh, parking. Um, 
and you know it made things a little bit cheaper um, but then of course you have to pay to get in and um, unfortunately in 2020 with everything that happened there wasn't actually a games expo so there wasn't an opportunity to venture down um, did decide I wanted to go to 2021 as I said a little bit different to what I did previously I've actually looked into it what's going on picked up that there is a blitz event going on for flesh and blood and fingers crossed that this coming Wednesday when I get paid I will actually have uh, the funds to um, uh, you know enter and get space so question is for a game I've got no real competitive experience in and a pretty restricted carpool. Who the hell do I use? <laughs> um, I haven't, again, I haven't been uh, into this game for that long. It's pretty new to me, Flesh and Blood. I've played a couple of games um, with different characters. Um, I've got a feel for... I've, I've built three uh, decks with the cards that I have available to me. Um, so what I thought I would do, essentially, is go through those decks... Maybe talk it out and maybe talk myself into a decision. <laughs> um, my first option is uh, Dash, who is a mechanologist character. If you see me posting about Flesh and Blood on my Instagram, you'll, you'll see that I've been put, sort of putting up images and stuff of these, of these decks as I've been building them. Um, Dash was really the one that made me when I saw I had a look into what other decks could be played in Flesh and Blood I, I purchased the um, Blitz Start sets which I'll go into play a little bit more when I do a dedicated um, Flesh and Blood episode but I bought the, the Blitz theme starter sets um, and when I started looking at what other characters were available Dash was one of the ones I picked up because essentially when I looked into them online it said that they were pretty easy to get on with like in terms of how difficult is this character to navigate and utilize um, and they came back as easy also I really like the look had this sort of um, the mechanologist stuff has this almost steampunk essence to it which I think is pretty cool um, so that was really the first deck that I kind of said okay well what sets Dash in okay Arcane Rising so I'm going to buy a some arcane rising packs see what i get um so dash is a character i do have a fair bit for um at this point i don't have any of those really expensive uh, cards whether that will change by the time i get to the expo i don't know um, i have bought a few more packs and things like that um, so hopefully i'll get a bit of luck in the draw um, but this is actually the first deck i built um, and although again it's not really seen much play I only managed to have the one game with it I think it's got the potential to just be bloody great fun <laughs> um, the deck is what we call a go, go wide deck in terms of theme so what that means is I'm going to throw a flurry of lower mid range damage attacks at you um, over the course of a turn in a hope that I can just kind of overwhelm you so I'm going to keep throwing throwing hits and hopefully get through your defences and hopefully get to your life points and, and whittle you down. And that's going to happen pretty much every turn. Um, the deck utilises sort of the mechanologist items, so her ability is actually she gets to go and grab one of them and play it pretty much straight away as long as it costs two or less. Um, 
Yeah, and then what those sort of items do is they give you little abilities. My main one is what's called Hyperdriver. Um, it comes out with three tokens on it. When you boost a card once per turn, you gain a resource, which is pretty critical um, when you're trying to combo and throw a lot of moves. The other choice was check Teclo Heart, which at the start of your turn gives you two resources automatically. But I felt Hyperdriver is a little bit more... Um, because Hyperdriver can stay, where Teclo Core just works, so you don't get a choice, you get the two resources. Hyperdriver, it's once per turn when you boost, you, you can grab the resource. Then also her pistol is pretty... I, at first I was a bit wary about using the pistol, I didn't really like it, but actually when I played my tester game with it, the pistol was actually, was actually what won it for me. My opponent had two health left, like, no cards in hand, and I was just like... I've got a resource, I need to use the pistol. <laughs> so I put the resource on the pistol and shot him for two damage and, and won. Um, luckily as well, because I only had, I think, two, three health left myself. So if it had got to his turn, he was playing as, my opponent was playing as Viserai. So um, he had a couple of arcane tokens out, so he would have, uh, rune chant tokens, sorry. So he'd have killed me next turn had I not, <laughs> had I not shot him. Um, so that's really sort of deck one. The problem I've seen is the... I'm not 100% certain of how Dash does in terms of competition. I haven't seen... I'll talk about what I looked at in terms of competitive decks in, shortly. But the decks that I looked at online, I didn't really see much in terms of Dash appearing in top 8s. Do you know what I mean? So it kind of puts me off a little bit playing her because this is my first tournament. I know there's probably not going to be many. I think I think they've got the the event capped, so there's not going to be that many of us playing. But I don't want to be last, so I'd like to at least make some form of statement in terms of my playing. Um, so you know, is this going to be the deck I want? It's the deck I want to play, but is it the deck I should play? Is the question. <laughs> uh, the second deck option is actually what I've just mentioned, uh, Viserai. So Viserai is a, a, a Rune Blade character. That is what they call a sort of go-high deck, where it hits you. Well, I suppose it's not even a go-high deck. It's more of a combo deck. You essentially build up uh, rune chant tokens via Viscerai's ability. Each rune chant token, when it's triggered, deals one arcane damage to your opponent. I've had a, a game where I built up, like a test game, where I built up like nine rune chant tokens. If you're throwing that with a with a move, your opponent's got to defend against the move and figure out what he's doing about all the arcane damage. It can, but you that doesn't happen straight away. Like dash is out the gate, flurry. Viscera is more defend, defend, defend while you're building up your rune chance, and then you hit with a move, and hopefully the rune chance are the what actually kill your opponent. Um, I have a lot of cards for Viserai, essentially because he was the first actual um, hero I pulled from the pack. I've also managed to get hold of a few of the, the more um, uh, rarer uh, Runeblade cards in, from packs. So, in terms of actual content in the deck, I actually have more for, for, for Viserai than I do for Dash. So I've got more of those better cards. Um, so I feel like really he's the sort of top contender for me right now um, I love the playstyle I love the, the character I actually read the lore on the, the Flesh and Blood website because they've put all the lore on for all the characters and I think it's it's wonderful um, and I really like Viscerai's lore so I do 
I, I am leaning towards him. Um, I also bought quite a bit of a couple of boxes of Mon the Monarch set, which is sort of the most recently released set. Um, so because there is a Shadow Rune Blade character in there, there's Rune Blade cards been released. So I also have them in the deck. So th there's more in there for Viscerai than, than Dash probably has for, for Dash, if that makes sense. Um, and again, I quite like that playstyle of kind of defending while building up a, an almost a, 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 I don't know, almost feels like, a, oh, what's the name of the character? It's a character. Um, one of the mutants from, a, a bishop, no. Cable. Cable, isn't it? Who, who absorbs the fight and then fires it back. No, is it Bishop? It's Bishop, I think. Um, who sort of absorbs all the damage and then fires it back as a, a big big damage attack. That's kind of what Viscerai feels like. You just kind of have to sit and deal with your opponent hitting you for a couple of turns. Or you build up this power source of rune chant tokens. And then any time you do an attack, all those rune chant tokens trigger automatically. So whether you use your weapon or whether you use an actual attack action, all your stuff triggers and you are firing a massive, massive bolt at your opponent. Um, and I quite like that. Quite like that playstyle. It's quite cool. Now, this leads me into my third, probably the least favourite choice, but it seems like the most logical one to make. So, my third character choice is Chain, who's one of the more recent additions to. The world of wrath. Um, he's actually a shadow rune blade character, as I did previously, just uh, gloss over. Released in Monarch, is actually one of the Blitz decks. Now, when I first played him, I, I kind of thought, "Oh, I'm not really sure about this. I'm, I'm, I don't really know if this is this is the guy for me." But I actually decided to do a little bit of research because I got a lot of shadow rune blade stuff, a lot of shadow stuff. Got a few of the the more harder to get majestics, and I thought like carrion husk for example and i thought well, let's have a look and see what this guy's all about and i had a look online and it turns out this guy's seen a lot of top cut action at the moment he's seen a lot of a lot of these sort of events i'm pulling up on the flesh and blood website for decklist ideas and and sort of ideas and thoughts and, and if i build something is that going to hold up to something that's maybe won or gotten done well Chain is one of them that's up there, multiple entries into big events, um, top cut, maybe not necessarily always the winner, but definitely always in sort of the top four. I'd be quite happy getting a top four finish, <laughs> um, even if, you know, it wouldn't be the first time I've got a top four. So there's a big part of me that's kind of like, ooh, and with having all the stuff from Arcane Rising, the Runeblade stuff, I actually have quite a lot of... Um, cards for him um, which again if you've got a bigger card pool you're going to be able to have more options you're not going to be restricted on what you can play and stuff so leaning very heavily towards him very reluctantly um, so how chain works again he's a shadow rune blade character so essentially he's very much like viscerai in terms of style but he's evil the little shadow thing is, is evil um Hmm. Interesting. Um, anyone familiar with WWE Raw Deal would probably recognise the chain playstyle. So the Shadow Rune Blade stuff, a lot of it can be played from your banished area. There was a mechanic in Raw Deal called Heat. 
heat essentially meant that if you had six heat cards in your ringside pile or graveyard, whatever you want to call it, you could play one of them per turn during your turn. There were some abilities that allowed you to play more, but generally you could play um, one a turn. But anything that wasn't heat that moved anything from your ringside pile, regardless of what it was, would remove all your heat from the game. So you had to be very careful about what's you had to be very careful about how much how many of your cards you were allowing to go into your ringside. Now chain works kind of similar to that in terms of like I said the banish zone. So he he creates every turn or he can create every turn a soul shackle. The soul shackle essentially says that at the start of your turn you remove the top card of your deck from the game. So if you imagine you've got five of them, every start of your turn you're removing the top five cards of your deck from the game. Now if four of those five cards can be played from your banish zone, you essentially have four extra cards in your hand. So you start off with normally four cards, but you essentially with that you've got eight, if that makes sense. But one of the, the big downsides here, because I know you're probably thinking, you think, well that sounds a bit overpowered. But actually the downside is, at the end of your turn, a lot of these cards have what's called blood debt. Blood debt essentially says at the end of your turn, you lose one life point for every card with blood debt in your banish zone. So you have, so you put all four of those cards from the top of your deck that have got blood debt into your banish zone. You don't play any of them. At the end of your turn, you lose four health, and that happens every turn. So even though it's a it's a risk versus reward kind of situation, but it seems to be panning out because he's seeing a lot of top top court play. The the big thing I think for this is. It's that balance. You need to be able to balance how many cards you're putting there, how many cards you're you're able to play each turn, and being able to access the cards in your banish zone, especially ones that say you can only play this from your banish zone if you have done X or Y that turn. It, again, it's kind of a risk versus reward, and people will know that who've played Raw Deal and, and remember that heat mechanic. Although it was great to be able to just grab a card from your ringside every turn, because even if your opponent reversed that that zero fortitude move, you could just keep throwing it next turn. And if you played the heat in the right character, you could even identify where your opponent was weak in terms of defense, and you could access grapple chain and submission from your ringside pile to try and get past whatever your opponent couldn't reverse. So, you know, this is a similar sort of thing. You, you've got to sort of really weigh up what you've got, what you can play, and sometimes it looks like you essentially end up putting yourself in a position where you're having to play those soul shackles. You may not necessarily be wanting to play that many, but the game may put you into a position where you need to be able to... So essentially, after you've created the, the soul shackle, I should have explained this, Chain says your next shadow or rune blade action, whatever you do, has go again, which gives you an extra turn. So sometimes you'll look at something, you'll go, "Oh man, I really wish I'd go again right now." Ah, but if I create a soul a soul shackle token, I get go again on the next card. So it's all good. So I'll create one. But then the problem is you'll be removing one extra next turn, which again could end up leading to blood debt. It's very, again, risk versus reward um, sort of situation. Um, so I'm not sure if, if, and also with it seeing so much top cut play, 
do I really want to attend my first ever tournament with that kind of build? <laughs> I had my experience playing Patmaster Kith in, in Conquest, and, but that was like a regional event. That was for to get to the Nationals and get a, a, a secured uh, first round buy in the, the Nationals rather than a... a a um, you know just just an, an event that I think it's a store credit that's on on offer for this event. It's not you know I'm not getting any unbelievably expensive promos or or anything like that. It's it's kind of just more to get. I think it's the idea is it's to try and get people into the game. Um, so I mean the, the Viscerai and Dash are the ones that I'm really thinking about playing for this event. But it seems like Chain is on probably a little bit of a different level. I have more good stuff for Chain because I've got the card like Carrion Husk and I've got some of the, the more majestic cards for, for Shadow and, and Runeblade. So his I've got more in terms of support for him. But again, the, it seems like this balancing act of do I want to play a deck that I'm going to probably have fun playing but maybe not necessarily do that well and not come away with much if anything... Or do I want to go down there and play something that I'm wanting that that is probably going to do well without really much effort on my part to an event that's probably not going to be up against people doing that, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, but on the flip side of that, I'm travelling all that way, I'm driving, um, I'm paying for parking, I'm paying for entry, I'm paying for the tournament. My expense for this this event is already way higher than I want it to be. So surely I should try and do well? Mm. Mm. What are your thoughts? You can get in touch with us on Instagram, uh, Big Boss Book Club, Twitter, Big Boss 010. Get us on the Facebook page, Big Boss Book Club. Um, let me know what you think. Um, I'm quite interested to hear people's thoughts on it, if I'm honest. Um, I don't know if I may be overthinking it. And, you know, again, I'm missing those top tier cards from pretty much all the decks, with the exception of um, Carrion Husk. But is that alone going to save me? Six defense is nothing to to snob at, but you know we'll we'll see what sort of happens. Um, I would like to throw out, I think, a couple of honourable mentions while we're talking. Um, I did consider putting together Leviya. Now Leviya was actually the first Blitz deck I played because it was one of the ones that came with the. It was one of the ones that's that's, that's pre-constructed. Um, and was released. I really enjoyed playing as Leviah. Um, I played against my, my friend who was playing as Prism. I played as Leviah. Um, and I beat him by smashing him with a big tree. Which which I thought was like the best card I'd ever read. Probably ever. I just thought it was wonderful. It was a picture of the of what looked like Reinhardt. Like, a, like an incredible Hulk type person. Literally swinging a big tree. And I thought this is the type of card I would want. I want to play when I play. <laughs> um, Levira is a shadow brute, so brute, but evil. Um, and again, she was the first deck I played. Uh, I loved playing her so much. I actually um, found the, her specialization cards in foil and uh, purchased them. Um, I also managed to get hold of her promo adult hero card in foil as well. So now I have a complete foil. Set. I have her promo token, the um, the starter deck face card, which is unique to the the starter deck. I've got both her specializations in foil and um, her promo 
Biobox foil as well. So I'm, I'm pretty chuffed that I've got a full Leviathan foil set. I know it sounds a bit bit silly because I'm always I'm always bashing people who are obsessed with foil cards, but I'm pretty happy to have the full set in foil. Um, hopefully one day I'll get me a bit of resale value. You never know. Um, the Brute Faction was actually what drew me into the game initially anyway, because it was um, the Reinhard deck that I first added to my basket when I, I bought the starter decks from the Bearded Card Trader. Um, I just thought he looked awesome, almost like a weird, like almost like the Abomination kind of deal. At least that's how it looked on the the, the, the picture on the website anyway when I saw it. Actually looking at the car up front, it's probably more closer to the Incredible Hulk wearing armor, maybe like a World War Hulk type type deal. Um, but then, if you look at Leviah, she's that, but she's evil. And again, anybody who's listened to this show before um, will know I'm always siding with the evil sides of things. Um, I think I mentioned quite early, maybe in the first season, um, when my friends bought into Warhammer 40,000, they were playing Space Marines, so I played Chaos Space Marines. My friend picked up the Eldar, or Eldari as they're called now, and, and I bought the Dark Eldar, or Drukari as they're, they're called now. So I'm always jumping on sort of the bad guy side of the fence. Um, but even with everything that Leviah can do that I find entertaining, we go back to Chain, and he's just a little bit more flexible with having those cards in his bin. Um, Leviah is all about banishing the cards so she doesn't play the Blood Deck. Chain is about banishing the cards so he can play them and not have to pay the blood debt. So I think we can probably leave it there in terms of the Flesh and Blood event. Um, again, it's a, a Blitz event, so it's your young hero. It's a 40-card deck. These games are pretty quick, generally looking around sort of the 15-20 minute mark. They're not full-blown games my understanding is it's best of one as well so it's not like you you go again it's best of one event what i'll probably do though may end up just being a case of doing a dice roll give them all a number give them all another number then roll a dice and whatever it lands on is what i go with but you can check out what i'll be playing on my instagram page again big boss book club um i will more than likely post it also on twitter big boss 010 and of course facebook big boss book club We'll leave it there for now, we'll go for a break, we'll come back, we'll start talking about what I really want to talk about, which is Dice Summoners, um, which is a game I first saw at the Games Expo a few years ago, really wanted to um, demo it on the day, unfortunately I didn't get a chance to, I've been constantly sort of watching the prices of it online, finally got it for a price I was comfortable paying. Um, so we'll have a look at it and uh, we'll, uh, we'll go from there, and um, be right back. Welcome back. So, what I really want to talk about now, and what I really want to talk about in this episode, is something I've been wanting to play and wanting to talk about for absolutely ages, and that is the Dice Summoners game. So, this game was developed by uh, Decking Awesome Games. Uh, they're actually an Irish gaming developer. You can check them out on Instagram as well. They're on there for you. Facebook, they're, they're everywhere. Um, really cool. They have their own podcast. They, they're the more multiple games. Just this is the one that I, I really wanted to uh, to give a go at. Um, I believe initially this was a Kickstarter project before my before my time of getting into Kickstarter. Um, actually, just before we go any further, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent, so I'm sorry. I, I 
purchased, well, I, I supported two games on Kickstarter in the last couple of years. Uh, the Resident Evil 3 board game and the Hogs of War board game. I don't know if anybody remembers the Hogs of War PS1 game with Rick Mail playing the like the general. Um, absolutely wonderful game. So I, I chucked my name in the hat and I've, I, I went all in on Resident Evil 3 and I just went in with a basic pledge on, on Hogs of War. And I am not going to lie, I'm kicking myself because I spent so much money that I could have put towards other things. <laughs> and I don't even know when I'm going to get to play either of these games. At the time of recording this, Resident Evil 3 has arrived. It's sat in the biggest box because there's like a hundred different boxes because I went all in on it. Um, God knows when I'm going to get to play that. And then I've got Hogs of War that's on its way as well at some point. So God knows when I'm going to get to play that as well. So Kickstarter, very dangerous place. It's great. It's a wonderful idea, but please, God, be careful when you're <laughs> when you're going on these things. Um, but yeah, so they, I believe the uh, uh, Dice Summoners was a, a Kickstarter project, but I actually saw it being demoed at the UK Games Expo. So again, it fits in with the theme of this episode. Um, at the time, I really wanted to try the game. My friend Stuart and I, we, we kind of stood and we were going to play the demo that the guys were, were showing off at the time. Um, but there was actually a couple of people playing it. Um, they were being quite slow. Um, I'm not really sure why. So me and me and my mates, Stu, we we decided well, well we'll go for a walk and we'll come back a bit later and hopefully I'll be a bit quieter and we can we can demo this game. We went back a bit later and unfortunately there were still people playing so we just sadly had to to give up on that that idea of sitting down and and playing, um, which was a bit of a shame. Yeah, and I always kind of regretted not not playing it and not really getting in on the Kickstarter because, again, it was kind of before I I, I tiptoed into Kick, well, jumped, dived right into Kickstarter, never mind, tiptoed in. Um, so I, I kind of missed it. I, I did keep checking its prices online, but the main issue was coming from Ireland, there was you know import charges and delivery on top of the cost of the game. And at the time, I was a lot more stricter with money than I am necessarily now. I was on a when the first saw this saw this game, I was not in the job I am now. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, so, but I did manage to find this item on eBay. The guy was selling it for fifteen quid. Phew, snapped it up. Um, practically bit the guy's hand off. Sent him a message saying, "Is this car? Is this game in like good nick?" Or what's he like, said? Yeah, just you know. Only ever played it the once. Just need to clear out some space. I was like, sold, mate. <laughs> so, so I had it off him. Um, I mean, kudos to him as well. When it arrived, it was in pretty mint condition. The, everything was just immaculate. Um, so it clearly had, had really barely been played, um, which is a bit of a shame because you know, paying for something like that, I'd, I'd I'd like to play it quite a bit or get my hands on it quite a lot. Um, so the contents of the box itself very nice the game box itself was very nice it feels very premium so the actual like the card um you know used to the cardboard used to make the boxes is pretty good pretty sturdy the artwork on the box is oh, absolutely wonderful um, i'll go a little bit more into the artwork in a, in a little bit um but i think the artwork's great the the box itself yeah as you'd expect for a one box game has everything you need it's got the cards it's got the rule book tokens like a life board like a little like a little wooden piece of life board counter type thing um 
with these little cube tokens that you use to mark your life. I will stay. I will say uh, quite quickly that that was probably one of my least favourite things about the box, the the life point tokens, because they literally just look like the power tokens you get when play well when you buy King of Tokyo or King of New York. They they look very generic. And considering everything else in this box was definitely not generic, that was a little bit, a little bit disappointing. Um, but on the flip side of that, I'm a big fan of dials, and maybe spoiled a little bit from things like Lord of the Rings and Marvel Champions, who give you these dials. Yeah, they're cheap and crap, and they break after like ten minutes. But I don't know. I'm a quite, I quite like dials for life point countering. I don't quite know why. Um, the cards themselves in the box. Card stock they're on feels pretty thin, almost a bit thin and flimsy. Um, definitely didn't have the same premium feel as the box did. Um, when you sort of hold in the box in your hand, it feels very good. Like it's, it feels sturdy. Feels like you could try and crush it with your hands and it wouldn't work. It, it, it's good. Um, definitely not as premium as the box. The the layout of the cards though, completely different story. I think the layout of the cards is really good. I think everything's laid out really well. When you're looking at the references in the rule book, it's very easy to, to follow. Um, the rule book and reference cards, they do give you all the details you need anyway. And it's pretty easy, like I said, to ID on the cards when you're looking at them. So, And also the artwork on the cards, although the, art, the pictures are a little up and down, the actual artwork itself is, is really good. Um, it's a bit weird. I don't think the artwork is overly eye-catching, but when you look at it, it's good artwork, if that makes sense. Um, the Succubus card is probably a good example, where I think the artwork is really, really nice and looks very cool. Um, they've done a really good job with the artwork here. I think um, massive kudos to, to the lay, layout of the cards, the artwork on the cards, absolutely wonderful. Um, the rule book, last but not least, is uh, good paper stock, feels very feels very good. Um, if you look at, say, the Marvel Champions rule book and rules reference sheets, they feel like if you were walking in the street and there was a gust of wind, they'd just kind of fly away. Um, the rule book in this box feels very, very good. Um, text is very clear. This is probably more a problem with me than the than the rule book. I'm not a big fan of blocks of text. I think it's because in my job I do everything via bullet points, so I very rarely need to write blocks or read blocks of text. So for this to have such big blocky text bits, especially at the beginning when it's talking about setup, and it's like do this point one, do this point two, do this point three, and I'm like looking, I'm going, oh, this is killing me. Um, I sneakily grabbed a, a video review off YouTube and, and saw him set up the game and then I set it up accordingly and then after that I went back and sort of read in the rules and was like ah yes okay actually it was just me having issues with blocks of text but the rule book itself is is pretty pretty good all the references are pretty clear um, yeah I, I've, the contents in the box are, are great I said my only real negative is the, the tokens for the, for the life point countering I just feel that Everything else in it feels custom and designed, and and that just kind of feels like it's thrown in at the end. Maybe it was a case of that. That was they didn't feel anything extra was necessary. I don't know. 
So with um, gameplay, so I stupidly thought that this game was going to be like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic the Gathering, where you, you had a deck and you built the deck and you played the deck. But actually, I think if I'm going to compare this game to another game, it would probably be closer to the Resident Evil deck building game, but without the deck building element. Um, so you start with a set of cards, um, but they all start in play. And that's really where the biggest difference is. And you don't then have a deck, per se. Um, game the game. To reduce your opponent's life points from 30 to 0. You do this every turn by gaining dice that you're able to gain from the cards you have. You roll them off, and depending on what you get, means you can do different things. Whether that is gaining new spells, or activating your creatures so they can attack... Um, building up your defences, so if your opponent wants to do a massive attack, you've got lots to defend. Or gaining new cards, things like monsters, uh, rituals, again spells, and then again you can activate them by rolling dice. Uh, the creatures actually give you um, extra dice as well, which is pretty useful. Um, if you're the first player, you will generate three dice when you start. If you're the second player, you get an extra dice for your first turn. You lucky bugger. Um, and then... So, I mean, there are two levels of dice. Level 1 and 2. Uh, there's blue dice and red dice. Red dice level 2, blue dice level 1. You use them to, again, pay for those summonings. Pay for those spells. The dice actually have different icons on. Um, which you can use to unlock higher power creatures, which I think is quite good. So the level 2 dice have different icons, which will activate your like rituals, even though I, I don't know if I was playing this properly, but when I played, I was using the um, wild icons as anything. So I was literally not bothering with the red dice, I was just using the wild icons, I was throwing on my blue dice to unlock things like the rituals and the higher level monsters. So, I mean... You have you can have up to six creatures, six spells and traps, uh, six spells and, and rituals, spells and traps. That's Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, yeah, so your field, you, you build a field rather than building a deck, which wasn't what I was expecting. If I'm completely honest, I thought you built a deck, like you, yeah. But it's more again, it's more like Resident Evil deck building game without the deck building element where you, in Resident Evil deck building game, you purchase your upgrades from the centre, from this big resource pool in the centre of the board. You you know, you know play your ammo, or you get your gold, and you, you buy cards from the centre, and they go into your deck, and then you, know, you build your deck up that way. This kind of the same, but you build your field up, but again, you are restricted by how many you can have from each end. So when you get to a certain point, and you've got six monsters... If you're going to get another monster, you need to really you need to bin off one you already have. So that's something you need to keep in mind. Um, my playthrough was was interesting actually. So I found the game progressed really steadily. I I don't I, the best thing to describe it is it wasn't so slow that I got bored, but it wasn't too quick that I didn't find I didn't gain enjoyment from it. So, I pretty much went for focusing on getting the bigger, badder monsters out pretty, pretty quickly and didn't bother so much with my defense. So, although I took a little bit of a hit at the beginning, I then hit back really well. 
<laughs> I got a, I pretty much swapped out the bulk of my blue dice for red dice. I think by the end I had more red than I did blue. And I was just pumping attacks on these big massive creatures. Um, I pretty much didn't really worry too much about spells. I did pick up a ritual to get a bigger monster. Um, and those wild icons, absolute make or break. Because for the beginning I didn't really worry too much about getting the red dice because I was just using my wild icons but then you get a load of red dice from getting those bigger badder creatures um, I found myself with a, a good balance I think with having less blue than red because um, I think the red dice get you the better abilities um, as I said it didn't feel like it outstayed its welcome it felt like it ended in a good pace but it wasn't you know, too quick where I didn't get a chance to really immerse myself in it um, I think overall the game is absolutely excellent. Like, after years of wanting it, sitting down and playing it, sitting and holding it and reading it, and, and I didn't feel disappointed. I felt a great deal of um, you know, very cathartic feeling of going, yes, I have this now. And, and I really enjoyed it. I think it's a great game. I think if you're looking for a one-box game that you can sit down with your partner or a friend set up doesn't take long to set up not really i said i overcomplicated it by not enjoying blocks of text but if you're looking for something that is actually relatively simple to set up it's relatively simple to play this is definitely a, a game i would highly recommend um i'm looking forward to seeing how the different deck styles work as well so we played with the uh, the blue start set um kind of hoping to just give it a go with the other sets I would like to go very attack heavy <laughs> um, see how that pans out for me but yeah I would 100% recommend this game to anyone um, decking awesome games they are on again all your social media platforms I'd give them a follow if you find this game and you're, you're comfortable with the price I'd 100% recommend buying it as well um, I really really enjoyed my playthrough I'm looking forward to having more games with it. As I said, my only real negatives, again, were the little the little tokens for the life counters and the actual card stock the cards are on. Um, but what I'm probably going to end up doing is trying to find sleeves for them if I can and put the cards in sleeves. It's probably a down-the-line project. But yeah, because I, I think they're fine in the box for now in the plastic sort of little jiffy bags that they come in. Um, so yeah, so that's it. Um, we'll go for another break. We'll come back. We'll brief overview what's what's going down for the Games Expo, where it is, how you can get there, and then we'll uh, we'll call it a day. Um, so we'll be right back. I honestly believe that sometimes my genius it generates gravity. Welcome back. Um, I hope you've been enjoying the Jeremy Clarkson skits that I've been putting in. Um, been re-watching uh, all the episodes of Top Gear and Grand Tour and uh, Clarkson's Farm and um, the guy's just just awesome isn't he <laughs> um, he's so funny uh, anyway so we're on to the UK Games Expo uh, 2021 so as I've already sort of mentioned this episode is going to be released on the 26th of um, July the Games Expo is starting Friday the 30th through to Sunday the 1st of August so it's the NEC in Birmingham, 
highly recommend going down and, and checking it out. If there are lots of events going on, not just for things like Flesh and Blood, but there are things like demos. I can see Vampire has got a demo going on, um, the RPG game, not the, the card game. Um, although the card game is coming back, which I am very, very tempted to have a look at. But then I keep talking myself out of it because I have way too many card games on the go. Um, what I would probably recommend, though, if you are thinking of going down, please keep an eye on their website, uh, ukgamesexpo.co.uk. So their Play With Confidence section, it talks about sort of what the rules and regulations are, things like the face masks. So they're basically saying that you do need to wear a face mask while you're there, although the government has said now they're no longer compulsory. It is down to events and individual businesses if they want to still enforce it. Um, the UK Games Expo and the NEC at Birmingham are still enforcing it, so they are still requiring that people do wear face coverings while inside the UK Games Expo. Um, obviously, when you're outside, they can't do anything about it, but when you're inside, unless you're sitting down at a table or having a meal or a drink, um, they do want you to be, be covered up, which is, I guess is is, is fair. Um, they are also looking for the NHS uh, COVID pass to allow entry into the uh, building. Um, there are instructions on there on how you can get that. My other understanding is once you've done a lateral flow test, you can go to the uh, government website to report it and they provide you with the, the pass there as well. Um, so you don't, as far as I'm away, don't necessarily need to download the app. Um, I'm not particularly interested in downloading the app myself. Because um, I, although I, I work from home, so if they pinged me and said you need to isolate, it wouldn't be such a big deal. I just don't particularly want my phone pinging every 10 minutes because I've walked past someone or, or been within 30 metres of somebody who has had a COVID test. Um, yeah. That's not for me. Um, I've been very good throughout the whole pandemic. I've masks, hand sanitizer, um, no unnecessary travel. I don't really. Yeah, that's a, that's a topic for another for another episode. Um, but yeah, so the COVID pass is being required to get in. So you can order a, a lateral flow test via the um, uh, government website. I think you can also pick them up from pharmacists. So again. I would probably just say keep your eye on the, the UK Games Expo website. Just make sure you know what their current sort of rules are for entry and getting in and what's happening in the building. Um, can you imagine driving all the way to Birmingham from wherever and getting there and being told that you can't come in because you haven't done a lateral flow test and you don't have a the app or you don't have a mask? And Oh, man, I'd be... I'd be absolutely heartbroken. Um, so yeah, so the, keep your eye on the rules. All the event stuff is on there as well. Like I said, all their sort of um, board games, card games, that sort of stuff, the cosplay things, it's all on there. Um, they're not doing the bring and buy this year, which is a little bit annoying because I did kind of want to take a few things to sell. I've got, like I said, I've got this backlog of board games and I'm pretty certain I'm not going to play some of them so I figured well I'll take them with me and get rid of them no they're not doing the bring and buy this year so I guess uh, I'll have to wait and see if they're doing it again next year um, but final thoughts uh, should be a good should be a good uh, good day um, I'm going on the Sunday so I'm hoping it will be a little less busy the roads down there should be a bit clearer with it being a Sunday and heading off so early in the morning to get there 
for the Blitz tournament. Um, I'm hoping I'll do okay in the Blitz tournament as well. I will put up my progression on the Instagram page, Big Boss Book Club, um, Twitter, Big Boss 010, and of course, Facebook, Big Boss Book Club. Um, so I think we'll leave it there. Really looking forward to going. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you, if you go to the Yungay Games Expo, you, you stay safe and you, you enjoy it as well. Um, again, you can follow us on all social media platforms, as we've already discussed multiple times in this episode. Um, I'm Big Boss. I'm out. Peace.